Again, good morning. My name is Eric. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Hopefully you are too. Uh, let's try this little audience participation. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right, good stuff. Good morning. I will never forget the time I almost killed my older sister. Um, but it was okay because I was acting out a Bible story. So when I was a kid, I grew up in the church. And, you know, one of the stories that probably almost every kid has heard, whether you were in church or not, is the story of David and Goliath. How many people have heard the story of David and Goliath? I mean, we talk about in the news, like the story of a little company taking on a big one, David and Goliath. So I had heard this story of David and Goliath, and I was like, that's a great story. So I'm a middle child, and we're always looking for attention and friendships outside of the home. And so, of course, who's my enemy? Who's my Goliath? My older sister, right? So we're, this, my dad's in the room, and he doesn't know this was intentional. Um, so uh, he's going to find out today. Uh, my mom, too. So in the back seat of our Toyota minivan, it was the very first Toyota minivans. I think there wasn't a name for them. I think it was just van. And uh, so I was in the back, in my corner, the back seat, and my sister Jan was in the back in her corner. And in between us, there's the middle seat. Well, in the middle seats, there's a seatbelt, Right. So as a kid, I'm like, a seatbelt's a lot like a sling, right? So we're driving, and I thought, I'm going to take down my enemy. And so I take the seatbelt, and I start swinging it like David and Goliath, and I was like, I'll let it go. And I did, and it hit her right in the eye, right here. Blood everywhere. They got to take her in, and it's horrible. And to this day, one eye's a little smaller than the other's. Um, and I didn't tell her it was an, she, Everyone thought it was an accident, until very recently when I told her actually it was on purpose. Um, but I almost killed my sister that day because I was trying to do what the Bible said to do, right? No, uh, context is important. But the reality is our families can be filled with conflict, whether you're acting out a Bible story or it's just kind of real life. Maybe some of those homes you heard when they're talking about uh, just kind of what they were saying in their homes, you're like, yeah, that resonates the way I grew up or my home right now. And we're in the middle of this four-week series called Bless This Home. Uh, our desire is that God would bless our homes. And so to do that, we have to live in the way that God designed us to live. And so we've been looking at these teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in the section called the Beatitudes. In the first week, we looked at the Beatitude that says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We talked about how so many times in our homes we're looking for different things to satisfy us. But it's only those who hunger and thirst after God and after his righteousness, not after our own, will we be satisfied. And then last week we talked about guarding the heart of our home and that those who are pure in heart will see God. And that as we guard our homes, as we guard our hearts, we'll see God at work in our lives in a whole new way. It's not just about that God only uses those who are pure or holy. But as we get rid of the stuff that holds us back and the filth in our lives, like a pure mountain stream, we're more able to flow the goodness of God and we'll see God in a whole new way, answer our prayers, be the answer to prayers, and make a difference in this world. Today, we're going to look at talking about peace in our home. Peace in our home. Because I'm honest, I think a lot of us would agree that most of our homes are not characterized as homes of peace. Instead, if you look at our homes, you'd say they're probably characterized by conflict or by tension or by strife. But I believe that God has something way better for us. God wants our homes to be characterized as homes of peace. And some of you are probably thinking right now, like, yeah, you are talking to me right now. Our home is not a home of peace 
man, that is what I want. My home has a lot of dysfunction in it, Eric, but the reality is most of it's not my fault, right? That's what most of us are probably thinking. And the reality might be true because something I've learned over the years is that every single family has what I like to call an incredibly difficult family member, an incredibly difficult family member, or an IDFM, an incredibly difficult family member. Uh, so raise your hand, maybe not in your home, but maybe it's in your extended family. Uh, if you have in your family an incredibly difficult family member in your family, raise your hands. Most, keep them up, most hands are raised. Every home has, an, keep those up, has an incredibly difficult family member. If your hand is not raised right now, Okay? Ask the person next to you with their hand up. Every home has one of those. But the fact is, none of us are perfect. And I think at times we all are that incredibly difficult family member to deal with. But in spite of that, I truly believe that God wants our homes to be characterized as homes of peace. And today, what I want us to learn is not, I want us to learn how to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers or even peacetakers. We want to be peacemakers. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to me. It's a very short verse. Otherwise, it'll be up here behind me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you that uh, your desire for us and our homes and our families is that we'd be blessed. Uh, God, your desire is that our homes would be filled with peace. Uh, and so, God, we pray that this morning uh, we could learn how to be peacemakers. We don't want to just be peacekeepers or we don't want to be peacetakers, but, God, we want to be peacemakers. So, God, help us to learn, help us to grow. Uh, God, I ask that uh, this morning what I say would be your words, not my words, and help us to together journey to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I think the reality is all of us would want to be blessed. I think that's our desire. Each one of us would say, yes. I want to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. So the question I think we ask is, all right, if blessed are the peacemakers, then how do we become a peacemaker so that we can be blessed? That's the question. Now, when we read the words of Jesus, we have to remember context. Remember, I acted out that story of David and Goliath. Totally wrong context. When we read the words of Jesus, he's not speaking in 21st century United States. Jesus is thoroughly Jewish, speaking in a thoroughly Jewish context. And in the Jewish culture, there is a word for peace that was very, very important to them. And that word is shalom. It's a very important word uh, in the Jewish people. Uh, it's so important. In fact, I have it tattooed on my right hand. Some of you guys are like, why does Eric have tattoos? One of them is shalom. It's peace. Uh, I was going through a tough time in my life, and I had to remember the peace of God. And so I thought, well... If it's always there and I look down, it's a good reminder. So uh, maybe you need to tattoo it onto your hand too. I don't know. But it's a very important word, shalom. And we usually translate it as peace, but it actually means so much more. It's actually not a perfect English translation for us. It also means wholeness, completeness, friendship, fullness. And it doesn't mean just the absence of conflict, the absence of bad things from your life. When you wish someone shalom, it's not just saying, I hope you don't have hard times or stress or conflict in your life. It also means, I wish you the highest 
good. I want you to be whole and complete in full alignment with both God and man. So when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he isn't saying to us, he just wants our homes to be absent of conflict. But he's also saying to us, I want you to have in your life and in your families and in your homes harmony and prosperity and goodness and completeness and wholeness. And honestly, when Jesus said this to his original Jewish audience, it would have been pretty scandalous, pretty shocking. We look at it now and we're like, oh yeah, blessed are the peacemakers, big deal. But no, to them who grew up in a culture that said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, you steal from me, I steal from you. Justice is done that when you steal, then you get stolen from. If you kill, you are killed. If you gouge someone's eye out, you gouge their eye out. That was how they lived. That was the culture that they were from. And so when Jesus says, no, don't get vengeance, pursue peace, it was shocking. It was countercultural. And Jesus is telling his followers, if you want to follow me, there's a higher calling for you to live than living like everyone else. That's the same thing Jesus tells us today, that if we want to follow Jesus, we have a higher calling than simply living like everyone else in the world. We like to say that if we want what others don't have, if we want our homes to be filled with peace, instead of conflict and strife that is so normal in our homes, then we can't live and do what everyone else is doing. We have to do things differently if we want our homes to be different. And this idea of peace and shalom and wholeness. The first time the word shalom appears in the Bible is in Genesis 15. When God is speaking that word to Abram. If you were with us when we first launched the church, we spent our first year going through the book of Genesis. Because I thought a good place to start is the first book of the Bible. And so we went through that for our first year. And we learned about how God created us to have a relationship with him in Genesis 1 and 2. But then in Genesis 3, we learned that sin enters the world and we live under the curse. And the answer to that is covenant. Creation, curse, covenant. It's the theme of the Bible. And that we're designed to live in a covenant relationship with God. And then in chapter 15, God calls Abram out of his land, a pagan. And he chooses him and blesses him. He says, I'm going to give you shalom. I'm going to give you peace with God and man. And Abram becomes Abraham and Abraham then has his son Isaac, and then Isaac has Jacob. And we talk all about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, then Jacob got his name changed to Israel after wrestle with God and had a bunch of, of, of sons, 12 to be exact. And maybe you've heard of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Well, Joseph was pretty hot stuff, and he was anointed and chosen by God, but he didn't know how to handle that anointing very well, and so he was kind of boastful, and his brothers hated him for that. And he talked about how someday God gave me a vision, you're all going to bow down to me. And they're like, what? You're one of our baby brothers. That's, no, I wouldn't like this. And things got worse and worse until the fact that they wanted to kill their brother. Well, all the other brothers are out with the, with the sheep, and Joseph's home with his daddy, and what we pick up the story in Genesis 37, that Jacob becomes Israel, he sends Joseph out, and in verse 13 it says, And Israel said to his son Joseph, 
Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. The word there actually is not just well, it's see to the shalom of your brothers. See to the peace of your brothers. If you follow the story of Genesis, over and over again, you have Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel, and you have Isaac and Esau fighting, and Jacob fighting with his brother, and Joseph fighting with his brothers. This is the first time, actually, a brother is going to seek the peace of his brothers. And I think it's important, as we talk about being peacemakers, to remember this story. And to ask, what does it mean for a father to send his son into harm's way so that wholeness, shalom, might happen? And Jacob, as he sends his son Joseph into harm's way, and eventually he gets beaten and thrown into a pit and into prison, but then God uses him to save the world, to bring shalom to actually the whole world. And in the same way today, maybe we need to remember that God, our Father, sent his Son into the world so that all of us could experience shalom, wholeness, peace, completeness. And unlike Joseph, who didn't actually die but was just in prison, Jesus, our Father's Son, actually gave his life for us so that we could have shalom and peace and wholeness. And Jesus' desire as he came to bring that shalom to us is that we would be like him and be bringers of shalom to see to the peace of our brothers and sisters. And what Jesus says is, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who bring shalom with them. Not just those who keep the peace, but blessed are the peacemakers. There's a big difference between a peacemaker and just a peacekeeper. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down. It's way easier to be a peacekeeper than a peacemaker. What are peacekeepers? Peacekeepers often avoid conflict so they can just kind of keep the peace. It's not a real peace, but it's just kind of absent of conflict. Peacekeepers, they'll work around the issues, not through the issues, because they're just trying to keep things at the status quo. So what happens with peacekeepers is that we get to a place where there's conflict that we don't deal with with our spouse, in our homes, with our friends, and it ends up looking like, okay, fine, let's just not talk about it. Let's just sit down at our family dinners, and we won't argue, and we'll just keep things just a, a nice, happy show because we don't want to dive into that conflict and work through it. We're just going to get around it, and we're just going to keep the peace. But that never works because if you just bottle up all that conflict, all that strife inside, eventually it's going to boil out. And as I was studying this text and I was thinking about it, and I thought about that idea that if we just stuff everything down, just try to keep the peace, and we don't work through conflict, we just work around it, uh, we're going to end up a lot like this, one of my favorite episodes of the TV show Seinfeld. And so uh, go ahead and roll that video. And serenity now! Down. Serenity now! <laughs> what is that? doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high, the man on the tape tells me to say, Serenity now! <laughs> To you, pal. Joey Sanfino and some of the neighborhood kids, they ambushed me with a box of grade A's. Are you all right? Oh, no, no, I'm fine, fine. Serenity now. 
Serenity now, serenity now. So you're using Frank's relaxation method? Jerry, the anger, it just melts right off. Serenity now. Serenity now. Serenity. Serenity now thing doesn't work. Just bottles up the anger and then eventually you blow. What do you know? You were in the nut house. What do you think put me there? I heard they found a family and you freeze it. Serenity now. Insanity later. What happened here, Kramer? Serenity now, serenity now. Kramer! Jerry. I didn't hear you come in. Yeah, the uh, yeah, the children. They've 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 done some redecorating. <laughs> you don't look well, huh? Oh, well, that's odd because I feel perfectly at peace with the world. That aches you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Look at me. I stepped on your last rose. <sighs> Jerry, come on. Don't get so upset about it. There's always next spring. Would you excuse me for a moment? want to be a peacekeeper and you bottle up all those feelings, you will end up like Kramer. You can't just serenity now, serenity now. To be a peacemaker, we have to work through the conflict. We have to do the hard work. And that is hard work. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus didn't say, blessed are those that stuff their feelings and never do the hard work to create two shalom, true peace. He said, blessed are those who will create conflict so that we can have true shalom, true peace. To be peacemakers, we're not just going to work around the issues, we're going to work on the issues, we're going to work through them. And only with the help of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, can we then achieve peace in our homes. And that brings us to the key thought of our whole series. We don't want to be just a Christian family, just culturally Christian, just Christian in name. We're not just a Christian family. Instead, what are we? We're a Christ-centered home. We want to be a Christ-centered home. We want Jesus to be the center of our home. Jesus isn't just a part of our life over here. He is our life. Jesus is our shalom. Jesus is our peace. And we are truly fully devoted to following and serving and knowing Jesus. See, in a home that's Christian in name only, when there's hard times, we just write somebody off. Well, forget them. Forgive them? I mean, after what they did, I would never forgive them. They have to come back crawling to me on their hands and knees, and even then I'd make them pay. That's how the rest of the world lives. That's normal. That when someone hurts you, you hurt them back. But in a Christ-centered home, we say, what does Jesus teach us about how to do relationships? And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. 
for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So if we're going to be a Christ-centered home, and we're going to be peacemakers, what do peacemakers do? That's our question. What do we do? What do peacemakers do? Well, let me give you three things that maybe hopefully will help you this week. Here's three things that peacemakers do. We can write this down. Number one, they speak the truth in love. They speak the truth in love. They speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Everyone say grow up. Grow up. We're going to what? We're going to grow up. We're going to speak the truth in love. That's not easy. But if we want to follow Christ, if we want to be a Christ-centered home, we need to grow up and become more like Jesus. It's going to take work to make our families work. Because we're a Christ-centered home, we're going to speak the truth in love. Notice Paul didn't say, yell the truth in love. Amen? He said, speak the truth in love. It's not that, you know, why did you leave your socks on the floor again? <laughs> That's yelling. That's not in love. We speak the truth in love. Now, I've said this before, I've said this so many times, no one here at Mosaic is perfect, including your pastors, your leaders, we're all sinners saved by grace, being made into the image of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works on us and in us to sanctify us, but we also partner with the Holy Spirit. We have to do the work with the Holy Spirit because it's going to take work to make our families work. We don't just sit by passively and let God change us. Instead, we say, Holy Spirit, come change me. Now I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. It's going to take some work. And because marriages take work, amen, because relationships are hard, my wife Chris and I, we've gone to counseling a number of times to help our marriage. Because I know if our marriage is going to work and if we're going to grow into Christ, we can't just sit back and be passive. We have to seek out counseling. We have to seek out people who can help us and say, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Who can give us tips? And so I want to encourage you, if you've not taken your marriage and you've gone in to see some counseling, go. Even if things are great, get a checkup. You know, see a good Christian counselor who can just kind of uh, check in with you and say, hey, here's how we're doing, here's how we're weak. And so uh, a couple different times Chris and I have been in counseling. There's just some things that I've learned through there that's helped our relationship to help us be peacemakers. We're not perfect in this. We're grown, we're working. And so I just want to share some of those things that I've learned over the years. How do we tell the truth in love? It's really important to tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. Tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. That's when we work on important issues. In other words, if someone is throwing a shoe at your head, that is not the time to bring up a new issue, okay? <laughs> we do it in non-conflict times, not when things are blowing up and it's like, well, I've got something to add to this. no. We speak the truth in love during non-conflict times when we can sit down, maybe at a date night or our kids are doing something else and we can spend some time, just us, and do it when we're not angry during a non-conflict time. Number two, the second thing is we attack the issue, never the person. We attack the issue, never the person. This is hard. I'm working on this. This is really, really hard because naturally we want to attack the person. That's just kind of how we're wired up, I think. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm working on. I used to say to my wife, like, you are so messy. Why do you leave piles of laundry and things, piles of stuff on the, the stairs all the time? Like, I'm worried about tripping and falling down and breaking my neck and dying. <laughs> like, anyone else kind of blow things up? You know, <laughs> death is on the line. 
Um, you know, but instead, you don't say you are messy or you are unorganized or you are fill in the blank. It's, hey, when you get a chance, I want to talk about this. You know, messes on the carpet, messes on the stairs. Here's why. It kind of bothers me, and I honestly am worried about tripping and falling. It's a silly thing, but that was something for us. Learn to not say, Kristen, you are messy. Instead to say, okay, this issue here is, is, is stuff on the stairs. Can we, can we, what can we do? And find a solution. Okay, you know, we, we leave things in other places, and then when they need to go upstairs or downstairs, whatever it is for you, it's just my thing on the stairs. I can't handle it. And so we confront the issue, not the person. We talk about during non-conflict times, when we're not amped up, and we confront the issue, never the person. And the third, don't use words like always or never. Don't use words like always or never. And we, you guys have been counseling too, amen? <laughs> don't use words. Don't say things like, you never pay the bills on time. You're always on your phone. You always leave your clothes on the floor. The house is never picked up when I get home. You always want sex. You never want sex. We don't use words like always or never. Because that just escalates the situation. And the truth is, it's, it's never always, all right? Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. As a Christ-centered family, we speak the truth in love. We don't ignore things and stuff them deep inside and just say, serenity now, serenity now. We love our families enough to not work around the issues, but to work through the issues during non-conflict times, attacking the issues, never the person, and not using words like always or never. Here's a couple short statements. I think we're going to put them up here. You might want to jot them down if you want. If this is a new idea to you in your marriage and you've just been stuffing, 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 here's some things that might help you get the ball rolling. Maybe at your next uh, date night or just sometime when you sit down with your spouse or just a close friend or someone, you want to share. When you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. This is how I feel when you do this, fill in the blank. When you lie to me about things that in reality aren't that big, big of a deal, I find it difficult to trust you because then I wonder what else you're lying about to me. When you continue to check your phone at the dinner table, the rest of us feel devalued. Anyone else struggle with this one? I do. <laughs> so maybe there's some phrases that will help get it going to say, okay, we're going to do the hard work. We're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to not just work around the issues. We're going to work through them. As Christ-centered people, what we do is we confront the issue, never the person. We do it during non-conflict times. We tell the truth in love. We don't use words like always or never. That's what we do as peacemakers. All right, tell the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Number two, peacemakers apologize when they are wrong. Apologize when they are wrong. James 5, 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This isn't a verse just for those who are Catholic to confess their sins to a priest. This is to all of us, written by the brother of Jesus. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I want you to think about this for a moment. What do you think your relationships, spouse, friendships, with your kids, what would your relationships look like when you sinned, you confessed your sin to them, to your spouse, to your kids, to friends, your closest friends? What if you said, I'm so sorry. What I did was wrong. It was sin. I sinned against you. Would you please forgive me? And then you prayed together. Can you imagine how incredibly different our relationships would look 
if we owned our own sins, if we confessed them, if we prayed together after confessing our sins. This isn't just you broadcast your sins to anyone and everyone, but to those that you are close with, doing life with. Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. This is hard for any one of us. But how do we do it? We admit to specific actions without excuses. When we apologize, when we confess, we admit to specific actions without excuses. Everyone say excuses. We don't make excuses. We don't, don't you dare say, wife, I'm, I'm so sorry, I looked at some you know, inappropriate images on my phone. But you know, if you were better to me in bed, I wouldn't have done that. Okay? That is not an apology that is pathetic. We don't make excuses for our sin. We confess it. We pray together. Okay? It's like saying, I'm so sorry you got your feelings hurt, you big baby. <laughs> like, right? We wouldn't let our kids do that. Like, that's not an apology. But we apologize for the specific wrong that we did. I'm so sorry that I belittled you in front of your friends. I have no excuse for that. I was wrong. I am really sorry I didn't consider you. I should have called when I realized I was going to be home late. I can see why you're so worried. I'm sorry I raised my voice at you like that. That was disrespectful. Please forgive me. I'm sorry I dropped our cat off the roof to see if he would land on all four legs. <laughs> he did, but I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. There's a big difference, don't miss this, there's a big difference between remorse and repentance. Between remorse and repentance. See, so often people stop at remorse. I'm sorry I got caught. I, I never intended for you to find out. I'm sorry we're fighting and our marriage is having a hard time. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. That's remorse. Repentance is, I was wrong. I sinned. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Repentance means confessing our sins to one another. And when you confess, don't just stop at, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me is for sin. I'm sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me is for sin. I'm sorry I left the toilet seat up again. I'm sorry. That was a mistake. Will you forgive me for deceiving you? That's a sin. Don't just stop at I'm sorry. But when you actually sin against someone, ask them, will you please forgive me? I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. And then pray together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. This may be difficult. But listen, we don't want to just be a Christian family in name only. We want to be a Christ-centered family in all that we do. Amen? And Christ calls us not just to wish an absence of harm, but the highest good, wholeness, completeness. He calls us to something more. So we tell the truth in love and we apologize when we're wrong. Number three, we forgive and we let it go. We forgive and we let it go. Peacemakers forgive and let it go. Remember the wise words of Queen Elsa, let it go, let it go, let it go. When someone confesses you, you can't hold on to it anymore. And that's hard. But you got to let it go. You don't bring it back up in a fight. You don't keep it in your back pocket. And when things are tough, like, man, remember that time you sinned against me? You forgive and you let it go. 
Now, I want to walk gently into this because I know for many of you, knowing your stories, there's a tremendous amount of pain in your life, maybe from a spouse or your ex or your mother or your father or some family member who should have protected you, but instead they harmed you. And you may say, Eric, how can I forgive them and let it go? You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they broke me, how they sinned against me. How can I forgive them? How can I let it go? You may say, okay, I can get on board with speaking the truth in love. Okay. I can even get on board with apologizing. But I can't let it go. There's no way that I can do this. And I would say, you're absolutely right. There is no way that you can just forgive and let it go. When you've been hurt that way, it is impossible. But with God, it's possible. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we truly forgive and let it go. And this is incredibly important for a Christ-centered home. Colossians 3, 12-13, Paul writes this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How do we forgive something that seems unforgivable? Paul said it this way. We forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. I want to ask you a question. Has the Lord forgiven you a lot? I don't know about you, but he has me an infinite amount of wrongs that I've done, of the good things I should have done, but I didn't do. And I've confessed, and God has forgiven, and he's let it go. And the only way that we can forgive is by remembering what Christ has done for us and then to ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to live like Christ. You and I can't forgive those unforgivable things on our own. We need God's help. That's how we're called to forgive, to freely forgive as you and I have been forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross. It's not easy, but it's possible only through the help of the Holy Spirit and only when we remember that we've received such lavish forgiveness ourselves. We forgive as we have been forgiven. We show mercy as we've been shown mercy. And while we're at it, family isn't just blood. When I'm talking about family and our homes, it's not just those that you're related to by blood. See, family goes way beyond that into the whole body of Christ. Because as followers of Jesus, we have been adopted into God's family. And when we act like Christ and we forgive and when we act like Christ and we show mercy and when we act like him and make peace, what does Jesus say? We're children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. I've got three kids, seven, five, two, and one on the way. 
And they all look a bit like me. And the fourth one's going to come out looking just like me because that's what happens with babies. They look like their daddies, almost always. And uh, so babies tend to look like their daddies. And so our kids look a little bit like me, but the lucky ones look a little bit more like Kristen than me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> but guess what? When we say we're not actually a Christian family in name, we're going to be a Christ-centered home. And when we choose to be peacemakers and not just peacekeepers, and when someone hurts us and we freely forgive, when we freely show mercy, when we let it go, we look like our Heavenly Father, created in His image, conformed to the likeness of His Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. How do we look like our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Daddy? By doing the things that Jesus did. We're going to look more and more like his kids. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. We don't want to just be a culturally Christian family in name. We want to be a Christ-centered home. We're a Christ-centered church. This church is a family. And we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ. We're going to honor him in a loving way that he's loved us. We're going to forgive in the way that he has forgiven us. Because blessed are the peacemakers, so they will be called children of God. I invite the band to come up. If you have not prayed to receive God's forgiveness, and you wouldn't consider yourself a child of God, a follower of Christ, you have the opportunity to do that today. For those who have received Christ, we are his children. The great thing about the family of God is that all are welcome. The way in is through Jesus. And through what Jesus did on the cross, all our sins can be forgiven. And today, by putting your faith and trust, not in yourself, but in Christ and what Christ did on the cross, you can be adopted into God's family and you can become one of the children of God. And if there's something in your life and you've said, there's no way I can forgive that, and you've been trying to do it on your own, I want to encourage you, give that over to God. Because on our own, forgiving the unforgivable is impossible. But through the help of the Holy Spirit, and by remembering that all our sins have been forgiven, and that we have been forgiven of so much, only then can we let go of those things that are holding us back. Only then can we be peacemakers and bring shalom and wholeness and completeness, not just to our family, but to all those around us, to our community, to the world, to those people we work with, to bring life and healing, to be a peacemaker in every context of our life. God calls us to be peacemakers in our homes, in our communities, to bring goodness, wholeness, completeness. Would you pray with me? I just want to give, uh, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I just want to give the opportunity to anyone here who hasn't made that decision to follow Jesus. And you would say, I, I've never confessed my sins. I've never received forgiveness through what Christ did on the cross. You can receive that this morning. You can just pray with me. You can repeat these words. 
God, I have sinned. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I'm asking for your forgiveness. God, through your son, Jesus, I want to be adopted into your family. I want to follow you. I want to make you my leader, my savior, my healer, and my forgiver. Amen. The Bible says that those of us who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. For the rest of us, this morning, let's just bow our hearts and our, our eyes and just take a second. And uh, maybe there is one thing this morning. You say, God, I need help speaking the truth in love. I yell the truth. God, I need to learn how to confess and apologize. My pride gets in the way and I never say when I'm wrong. I always point the finger at other people. Or when I apologize, I always make mistakes. Or I always make excuses. Help me not to do that. Help me just to confess and not make excuses. Maybe there's someone in your life who has hurt you and you've been holding on to it for decades. And you thought, there's no way I can forgive this person. And that is absolutely true. But with the help of God, through the Holy Spirit, you can forgive and let it go. Let's just take a second before we close this, our service, examine our hearts and say, God, help me to grow, to be more like Jesus so I can be one of your kids and I can look like you. Help me to know that area that I need to grow in and to change. And I can only grow and change by your help. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. That he came to bring shalom, peace, wholeness with you, with others. God, we pray that your peace would be evident in our lives, that your peace would guard our hearts. God, as we go into this week, that we'd be filled with your peace. God, that we would also then be peacemakers as we bring peace into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our workplaces. God, use us to spread your shalom, your peace. Give us the courage to do the hard work, not just be peacekeepers, but to be peacemakers. And God, we thank you that we don't do this on our own strength but only fueled by the Holy Spirit. And here we pray, amen. Would you stand with me?
Colossians 3, I just want to read again as our benediction today. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. May you know that through Jesus you have been forgiven, that God has let it go, that you can find complete peace and wholeness with God and with others through Jesus. You don't have to let go or hold on to all that stuff that's been holding you back. You can forgive, you can let it go. You can let go of the shame, of the guilt, all of that through Jesus. May each one of us live in the knowledge of that peace and may each one of us this week be peacemakers as we bring wholeness and blessing and friendship and love wherever we go this week, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit.